The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord is in this place. Can we just acknowledge Him and just wave in our hands? Bless His name. I know I heard this somewhere. I don't know where it was my spirit when I was doing Holy Ghost FM. But I just know that. <laughs> I know this song. <laughs> Praise God. Guys, have you been getting blessed? Um, have you been learning a thing or two? Praise the Lord. All right. Now, we are going to continue our series on Lambano. Everybody say Lambano. Lambano. Now, what did we talk about last week? I remember the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. I, we started by saying that you cannot receive things from God except you yourself have clarity. We said that knowledge has to be precise for it to be effective. Knowledge has to be precise for it to be effective. So, when you find that you do not have precise knowledge, you will not be effective. So, we find that Paul, in Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse 17, he says, um, for this cause, he's praying that God will give them illumination. He said, the eyes of your understanding being what? Being what? Enlightened. In the living Bible, he says, flooded with light. The reason why is it's flooded why because enlightened there is a Greek word for tizo, and for tizo means to be full of light. He said the eyes of your understanding. The eyes of your understanding there is talking about your mind. Your mind. Your mind. You see, because the, the new creation is a very different kind of human being. You're different. Okay? You're different. Turn to First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. In First Peter 1, 23. The new creation is born, is said to be born of the word of God. It says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. Are you there? Are you there? It says being born again, not of corruptible seed. It means that when you are born of your natural parents, you are born of corruptible seed. The word corrupt there means subject to death. Right? 
subject to death, not in accordance with the divine plan. Corrupt. It's corrupt. It falls short of God's plan. It falls short of the glory of God. So it says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but it says, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. Now, the expression word in 1 Peter 1.23 is the Greek word spema, S-P-E-R-M-A, spema. And spema is where we get the English spam from. Spam, as you all know, is the seed of a man. The seed. That part of a man that gives him the ability to procreate after his kind. So, the sperm of a man has the DNA of the man. It has the genetic sequence of a man. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, if a man impregnates a woman, all right, and that woman gives birth to a child, the genetic sequence of that man has been reproduced in the child. Are you following? So, if you want to find out who the father is, you just test the child, you will find out that the same DNA the father carries, glory to God, the child carries something like that. Are you following that? Which means the child came from who? That man. Oh, glory to God. So, when he says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, that liveth and abideth forever, what is that telling you? That is telling you that as a Christian, the person that has believed the gospel, oh, glory, you share the life of God. You have the life of God. God's genetic sequence is inside you. Glory to God. If they did a test for God in you, you will test positive. Why? Because you are an offspring of God. Now, you are not God, though. So we cannot be worshipping you. Amen. In case you wake up and say, I'm God, worshipping. No. You are an offspring of God. You are born of God. Look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 John 3, 1, what does it say? It says what? Behold. What manner? Look at it. There. I don't need to. Okay, maybe we should quote it together. It says I shouldn't come down. Are you there? Is it there? 1 John 3, 1? All right. One to go. It says what? Behold, what manner of love the Father has done what? That we should be called what? Sons of God. Now what sons there is technon. It means those who were begotten of a father. Sons of God. Children of God. It means that God is my source. God is your source. If you want to find out where did you come from, look at God. 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of what? Of God, little children. So clarity and precision in knowledge is necessary for receiving. Precision in knowledge is necessary for receiving. And also, precision in knowledge is necessary for warfare. An ignorant Christian cannot win life's battles. An ignorant Christian cannot win life's battles. Because in the realm of the spirit, battles are waged with knowledge. Jesus, in St. Matthew chapter 4, how did he deal with the devil? He dealt with the devil with what? It is written. You see, when you talk about spiritual warfare, never think that it is one wrestling match that two people are coming and they are now testing Shaolin styles. No. Amen. No. Sometimes some people think that when angels and demons are fighting, what's going on as the angel comes and says, wah, wah, then the demon says, wee you then I begin to fight, fight, fight. And I say, I block it. And no, it is not physical. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, we find something there. All right, the devil comes and tempts Jesus. Jesus replies with what? It is written. The next temptation, the devil comes with what? It is written. Then Jesus replies with what? It is written. It is written. Now, the difference between Jesus and why Jesus was able to put the devil in his place was that Jesus had precise understanding of what was written. Are you seeing this? So, for you to be able to be effective in the things of God, you need precise knowledge. Precise knowledge about, number one, who you are in Christ. Whenever you are dealing with the devil, one thing you must be full of one thing you must be assured of, and one thing you must be secured in, is your identity in Christ. That is number one. Let me show you. Turn to Matthew 4. I want to show you something. I want to show you something very important. In that the devil knows scriptures, but when he tempts people, he always leaves important details out. 
Amen. And your victory is in your understanding of the scriptures in details with precision. Because if you don't understand the word of God in precision, the devil can twist the scriptures and get you into bondage. Hallelujah. I'll show you an example. Turn to your Bible, Matthew chapter 4. I'll never be more left than I am right now. Was he holding you up? <laughs> I like that part. Amen. Are you ready? You ready? Uh, talk, talk to me now. I said, are you ready? <laughs> or your team will lost last night. Nigeria is not the one playing. Amen. Now look at what it says, Matthew 4.1. He says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward what? An hunger. Now notice that Jesus was not hungry while he was fasting. He was hungry after the 40 days. Which means this was a supernatural fast in which during the period of the 40 days, he didn't feel hungry. There are three times people were recorded as having fasted 40 days. They were Moses, they were Elijah, and they were Jesus. None of them fasted 40 days with discipline. Amen. They fasted 40 days with what? By the supernatural. Very important. Very important too. Amen. So, for you see, when someone is telling you, now guys, when you are fasting, don't you feel hungry while you are fasting? That's how you know it's not supernatural fast. Amen. Uh -huh. So, you can do the fast, the fast where it's not supernatural, where you are the one that decides to seek the Lord, all right, all right, and you are hungry while you are, you know, in that place of fasting. Yes, that's scriptural, okay, but usually from scriptures, it is not usually long. We have examples in scriptures of men that fasted. For example, David, all right, fasted seven days, during which the son that he had with Bathsheba, all right, was, uh, was sick. And the Bible said that he did not eat pleasant bread. Now, what does that mean? He did not eat pleasant bread. It doesn't mean he didn't eat bread. It just meant that he didn't eat well during that period. You understand? Then you have the Daniel fast. Okay? The Daniel fast. All right? Daniel fast is that um, where you find that you don't eat actually, you don't eat meat, you don't eat things that are, you know, uh, very pleasant, but you eat the minimum to sustain you. So there are different kinds of fasting. Praise God. One of these days, I would do a teaching on fasting details from scripture so you can see. You understand that? Do you understand? All right, because when people don't understand these things, they will go on fasting and they will now wreck their health and see Jesus on time. You know, sorry, they see Jesus early. Praise God. All right, because they've already destroyed their health and their bodies complaining and they, are, they die, you know, before their time. Praise God. I just want to talk, I should mention that. Amen. Now let's continue. Now it says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. That is after the fast. That's when he got hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God. Pay attention, no. What did he say? If thou be what? Command that these stones be made what? Bread. Now, I want you to go to Matthew 3. What did the devil say to Jesus? If thou be the Son of God. Is that what he said? Now, hmm. which means the devil was responding to something that had been clearly said by God. Because if he says, if thou be, it must have mean that God had told Jesus, you are my son. You understand that? Scripturally from the word. Now look at Matthew 3 and you see something there. In verse 13, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. So John, the author of water baptism, was telling Jesus, this water baptism, I know it's not the reading now. I know that the reading is what? Holy Ghost baptism. You understand? But Jesus comes to say, look at what Jesus says next. Jesus says to him, and Jesus answered said unto him, suffer it. That word suffer means allow. Allow it to be so what? So what? Now, now is it forever? It's now, right? Now, that's for the moment, right? Allow it to be so what? Now, for thus it become us to do what? To fulfill what? All righteousness. Now, what is Jesus saying? I didn't want to start sharing all this one, but let me just say it. He says, he says, he says um, for thus it become us to fulfill all righteousness. Why is he saying, thus it become us to fulfill all righteousness? Number one, prophetic succession. Okay? 
right? The way prophetic succession work is this. In scripture, all right, prophets hand over to prophets. They start a revelation, then stop where they stop. The other person comes to continue where they stop. So this is how it worked, all right? You have that Abraham was raised up. Then after Abraham, you had Isaac. After Isaac, you had what? Jacob. After Jacob, you had what? The twelve. But the lead among the twelve that took on, all right, the Abrahamic blessing to continue till Messiah come was who? No, it wasn't Joseph. It was Judah. All right? Because unto him shall Shiloh come. Praise God. Or if you think it's Joseph, it's not Joseph. It's Judah. Praise God. Even though Judah was not a... It wasn't all right. You understand? But it's not by, it's not by work. It's by what? Election. All right? So after that, you now had Judah. Okay? Then they go into Egypt. Then Moses rises up. Hallelujah. All right? Moses rises up as a prophet of another kind. You understand? Then after Moses comes, he hands over to Joshua. Then after Joshua, Joshua hands over to what? To the judges. Judges come in different sequences until Samuel. Praise God. Judges come in different sequences until who? Until Samuel. Then Samuel hands over to who? Samuel hands over to what? Unto David. Then David brings a lot of prophets around him. You have Nathan. Then you have God. So these guys continually, continue, you know, prophetic succession. They hand over. John the Baptist was the last in that line, in those lines of prophets. Praise God. Praise God. And John the Baptist's job was to point out the Messiah. That was his job. He was the one that came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He is not Elijah. He is not Elijah that has come back. No, he's not reincarnation. What they were saying was, just as Elijah prepared the way for the restoration, glory to God, of Israel back to the worship of, um, of, uh, of, of God via the laid down principles of the law of Moses, John the Baptist came to what? Bring people back to God. So Elijah brought people back to God via the law of Moses, while um, John the Baptist is bringing people back to, all right, the God through who? The Messiah. So John the Baptist points to us who the Messiah is. That's why he is the one that came in the spirit and power of what? Of Elijah. Praise God. Are you following so far? So Jesus says, all right, John the Bible says, no, I don't want, you're uh, uh, you the one that's supposed to baptize me. I want to be a new creation. I want to be a temple of God. That's the baptism you bring. But Jesus says, so fight to, uh, to be so for now, because according to your ministry, which is signified by water baptism, you have to point me out to the whole world via water baptism. It's because water baptism illustrates my death, my burial, and my what? My resurrection, which is the final um, symbolism in a whole line of symbolism that started with what? With Abraham was passed through Moses and passed through all the prophets. So Jesus said, suffer it to be so for now and let us do all things to fulfill all what? Righteousness. Are you following so far? Now, now look at what now happens next. Look at what happens next. He now says, and Jesus when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. Note this. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw what? The Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting what? Upon him. What is he telling you? He's telling you that, all right, following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is given to the body of Christ. You understand? That is the typology, all right, that is being represented in what you have just seen. But now, I want you to notice something. That he didn't say that the Spirit of God was a dove. Look at it again. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like. So that means it was not that a dove flew. Pom, 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 and sat on the head of Jesus. And then I said, oh, that is the Spirit of God. No. The Spirit of God is not a bed. So please, stop using dove to represent Holy Ghost. It's not true. It's not correct. What he's saying when he says, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, he's saying, I saw the person of the Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove would descend. Praise God. Like what? A dove. This is how doves descend. They fly, fly, fly. The one they want to descend, they spread their wings like this. Spread their wings like this. 
and gradually descend to the ground, then they put their wings down. So what he's saying is, the Holy Ghost came down, then settled into Jesus. Are you seeing that? So I saw the Spirit descend like a dove we descend. Praise God. So when people say things like emblems of the Holy Ghost and they are saying dove, it is wrong. It is wrong Bible interpretation. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I'm not sobbing everybody, anybody. I'm just teaching the word. Amen. I have someone I respect, Benny Hinn. He uses dove. Dove is their ministry symbol. You understand what I'm saying? It, an animal is the symbol for dove. One time, one of our graphics person, we were doing something about Holy Spirit. Then she now designed something. All right. Then she put a dove there. So she sent it to me. And I did not respond. She waited one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. <laughs> PF did not respond. So she reached out to my wife and she said, I showed this thing to PF and PF did not respond. He said, why will you respond? You put a dove there now. It's Holy Spirit a dove. Ah. So she did the correct thing and all. Amen. Amen. Because you see, when you keep doing those things, you are reinforcing a belief system. Praise God. It's like saying the Holy Ghost is anointing oil in a bottle. No, now. Holy Ghost cannot be a bottle. Neither can it be oil. Because it's spirit. If I can see spirit, something is wrong. It's not spirit. Amen, somebody. I said, Amen, somebody. I'm anointing myself with the Holy Ghost. Now, if we take anointing oil and you believe that the anointing oil is Holy Spirit in the bottle, if I put this, your Holy Spirit, close to you, because you are responding in faith, something will happen. But does it make it correct? No. So say, ah, if only you don't know doing, why are they getting results with it? Results do not verify doctrine. Everybody say that to me. Results do not verify doctrine. So also, a lack of results do not verify doctrine. The fact that church is small does not mean they are preaching what is correct. Neither does it mean that the church being loud means they are preaching what is wrong. Every church must be examined on the content of what they preach and not whether they are big, rich, or whatever. Glory to God. Result doesn't verify doctrine. God spoke to Moses and said, speak to the rock. He spoke to the rock, water came out. Then the next time, he says what? Speak to, no, no, the first time he said, beat, beat the rock. He beat the rock, water came out. Then the second time, he says, speak to the rock, glory to God, all right? And when he says, speak to the rock, all right, Moses was angry with the people. And he what? He beat the rock. Water came out both times. Both times water came out. Even though Moses did the wrong thing the second time. So you do not use results to verify what is correct. Someone was attending his church, but was offended because... We were not hammering on tithes. You understand? We're not hammering on tithes because she had grown up in church where they told her if she did not tithe, it would be tight for her. And they told her that her destiny was connected to tithes and everything was tight. You know, there are some churches, tight. they give first offering, second offering. She was feeling that we will not prosper because we were not hammering on tithes. Why don't we hammer on it? Tithe. Amen. We are loud where the New Testament is loud. And we are what? Silent where the New Testament is silent. All right? In the New Testament, we give generously, religiously, in a disciplined way because we understand the task at hand. What we don't do is to use the law of Moses to make it compulsory and make slaves of God's people. We don't do that because it is not in the New Testament. Glory to God. We didn't find them doing it. Amen? All right. So now I want to show you something quickly. Ah, thank you, Lord. Okay, it now says, now notice, it says, when, and, when Jesus, and, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. Okay? And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and what? So you see that lighting upon him means he settled on him. Now listen. And lo, pay attention. A voice from heaven saying, this is my what? Beloved son, in whom I am what? Notice what God said. My beloved son, 
in whom I am what? Now let's go to notice. God said two things. Jesus is my beloved son, and I am what? Well pleased with him. Two things. Which means, if I am well pleased with him, it means I have accepted him. He has nothing to prove to me. Correct? I have accepted him, and he has nothing to prove to me. Nothing. Nothing to prove. There is not just, it's not just my son. He is my beloved. Which means, I, it's my son that I what? I love dearly. Correct? Now let's go back to Matthew 4. <laughs> now look at it. Verse 3. Matthew 4. And when the tempter came to him, he said, pay attention. He said, if, question, if is not, if is conditional, is that right? He says, if thou be the son of God. He didn't say, if thou be the beloved son of God, in whom God is what? Well, please. No, 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 no. He leaves out the fact that God is beloved. Then he leaves back the fact that God is pleased with him and says, prove that you are a son. He says, if thou be the son of God, Command that these stones be made better. So basically, he's saying, yeah, prove to me that you're a son. But there's something we find that the devil is so insecure about us being conscious of the truth that we are not just sons. We are beloved sons. Glory to God. Then we are not just beloved sons. We are beloved sons that God has already accepted. Oh, hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying here? All right. He has already accepted us in who? In Christ. So if the devil tempted Jesus and tried to say, prove your sonship to me, he will also bring that temptation your way. So you have a lot of Christians that are trying to prove that they are sons of God to the devil. Instead of them saying it is written. It says, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. What the devil is telling you is, if thou be the son of God, oh yeah, travel out now, let us see. If thou be the son of God, oh yeah now, get a better job, let us see. You're getting the job is the proof of your sonship. So he's trying to make you proof your sonship by getting results in the natural. By being more prosperous than your friends and by your, neighbor, your brother and your sister. Have you noticed? That is why you said something. Let me tell you something. Listen to me, everyone. Listen to me. See? If you are looking for the devil in the 21st century, stop looking in Covens. Though he's there. Stop looking in Havali's shop. Though he's there. Check him out in the pulpit. Check him out in the pulpit. Now, I'm not talking about checking him out with, you know, <laughs> well, with the Odumeje liquid metal folks. You understand? That's too obvious. You understand what I'm saying? I am the Indaboski Bahuse. I remember I was watching a video. I found it hilarious. You know, <laughs> the guy said, See, there is Indaboski. Then there is Bahuse. Then the women, people were around. Hmm. Ah, spiritual ignorance is very bad. Ah, and they were listening. He said, he said, I have used the Indabos. I have not now used Bahuze. When I use Bahuze, ah, and they are looking at people like this. And they were just paying attention. And the people listen to that, good, that dude. Amen. Glory to God. You see why church can't be empty? Because if they are not here, they are somewhere else. And God help us, they are in the right place. You know. So I'm not talking about the Indaboski guy. No. I'm talking about the guy you respect. As man of God. If you are looking for the devil, the devil will be trying to speak through that man. Do I have proof? Yes. Remember that the devil took hold of who? Peter! And was speaking to Jesus using who? Peter! Now, when was he speaking to Jesus through Peter? Uh, through Peter? 
Peter had come up with one of the greatest revelations ever. <laughs> oh, Satan is a bastard. Think about it. Jesus comes and says, who do men say that I am? Some folks say, oh, you're John the Baptist. Oh, you're Elijah. Oh, you're this. Then Jesus comes and says, he says, who do you say that I am? Peter, by inspiration, by understanding the prophetic writing, says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus comes and says, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in what? In heaven. Ah, ah, what a victory. You know, if you are Peter, how you feel? Say, oh my God, clap for me, man. I mean, come on. Hey, ah, ah. I'm the stone that they will build the church on. Uh, uh, don't, don't try me. There's busy, man. You, know, you have some, some spring in your steps, man. Come on. Jesus just held you that man. You got it right on point. So, Jesus now says, flesh and blood. As it not, I, I, I'll not give it to you. Then the Bible now later says, and he began to tell them how he was going to die. Eh? And he will be buried for three days. And he rises up from death. Peter said, eh? No, Jesus comes. The Bible says, Jesus and um, Peter pulls Jesus by the side. And you know what? And he began to what? Rebuke him. Do you understand? <laughs> Don't you understand? Let me understand. He pulled Jesus to the side and began to what? Rebuke him. Peter was rebuking Jesus for saying he would die. He said, I know now. Messiah is not supposed to die. Messiah is the son of David. So yeah, you are going to be king and you are going to free us from these Romans. What, what is this dying business you are talking about? Put it out of your mind. And Jesus turns to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, Satan, Satan. Why? Peter came to Jesus. That thing he was saying, you know, rebuking Jesus about dying was Peter's understanding of scripture. So when Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, it was because Jesus recognized that that perversion, that wrong interpretation of the scripture concerning the Messiah was sponsored by who? Satan. So the devil is going to do the same thing to you too. He will do it to you. Try to get you to prove your sonship by how much you have in your pocket. Try to get you to prove your sonship by how well things are going in your life. Uh uh. You're a son of God. Why are you not married? Oh, yeah, get married. Let us see now. Prove your sonship. Prove it. And he would always try to take out of your consciousness that you are actually a beloved son and daughter of God. So, if you are going to be able to receive that which God has for you, one of the major things you have to have is that you have to have clarity and precision concerning your identity in Christ. Everybody say my identity in Christ. Notice what I said, identity in what? In Christ. Not in your father, not in your tribe, not in your, in Christ. Glory to God. So let me just give you a few things that you must be full of and know. We don't have that much time, so I'll just go through it. Amen. Your identity in Christ. Your identity in Christ. Don't let the devil, you know, mess you up and get you to be tossed to and fro. Hallelujah. With every wind of doctrine. Okay, so number one, you are a new creation. Everybody say, I'm a new creation. Second Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, what do you need to know about yourself? You're a new creation. Oh, pastor, man, I was, I must, I, 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 mean, I was following a story this week. I think I heard something called that the, the, um, she, the lady that um, killed one CEO, all right, in, according to her self-defense, she said, she and the dude, Took roofies, roofies, like a roofies. I think it's like a drug or something. All right. Took roofies. I mean, you're like, you're, before you were, you used to take roofies. You used to go to the club. Maybe even two days ago you went to the club and you are going to get born again this morning. Hallelujah. You're not aware yet, but you will. All right. So you know, and you you went to the club and you went to this club where then there's a there's one they will take and it will come in out of their ear and their nose and all the orifices and they, uh, yeah, you've done all of that. If you believe in Jesus, 
and you accepted Jesus, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. He says, all things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are what? You're not the man you used to be. When you receive Jesus like this, your life, who you are, changes. You receive the life of God, then you also receive the nature of God. Being born again is not God saying, you believe on Jesus, then he now says, oh yeah, start living a life. Start living a life. No, 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 no. That's not what it means to be born again. When you get born again, what happens is, all right, after you believe in Jesus, God gives you his life. He supplies his life to you. Then he gives you the ability to live it. Amen? Philippians 2, 13. For God is the one at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So God is, is you know what I'm saying? There's an operation in you. All those movies you used to watch before, now you can't watch it again. All those places you used to go before, you don't want to go anymore. Hallelujah. You are sitting down with your friends and they are saying some stuff. You are not, you can't stand them anymore because you have changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have changed. Now listen to me. Do not make your identity in life about marriage. Sisters, brothers, I'm not married. It doesn't reduce your sonship. I'm not married. It doesn't reduce how much God loves you. I don't have more than 5,000 naira in my account. Have you noticed sometimes we give testimonies and begin to talk about, oh, God loves me so much. And we are equating that love God has for us to how much we have in our bank account. It is wrong. Your identity is not tied to money. Your identity is in Christ. So whether there's money or not, God loves you. God loves you same way when there's money, same way without money. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? All right? So do not let anybody shake your identity because you don't have this, you don't have that. Glory to God. I, I know there are a lot of Christians that maybe when things are going on well, they are praising God. Hallelujah. Praising God. Hallelujah. Then when things go by, you know, I hear people saying things like, God, why have you let me down? Why did you feel me? I'm like, what's wrong with you? Did you really let you down? Why? Because you lost a job or you lost a business? What is wrong with you? God is faithful, is constant. If you lost money, you get it back again. It's money. It's like air. It can blow now, then leave, then blow again. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Yeah. So your identity should be wrapped around the world. When you rejoice and you celebrate, don't rejoice based on ephemeral things. Train yourself to ensure that you are rejoicing in the Holy Ghost most of the time. Rejoicing must be in the Holy Ghost. You know what rejoice is? Rejoice is the verbal expression of joy. So when the Bible tells you rejoice, it's saying that the joy, hallelujah, that is in your spirit because you are born again, it's saying make use of that joy. Rejoicing is not the same thing as expressing happiness. Hallelujah. So when we say rejoice in the Holy Ghost, you say, what are we rejoicing about? Ah, we are rejoicing because Jesus died for us. We are rejoicing because Jesus lives in us. We are rejoicing because we have eternal life. We are rejoicing because we are saved forever. We are rejoicing because we have a high priest. Hallelujah. We are rejoicing because we are saved to the uttermost. That's why we are rejoicing. We are rejoicing because we have the gifts of the Spirit of God. We are rejoicing because we have the faith of God at work in us. We are rejoicing because we have our God. He backs us up. He's behind us, beside us, in front of us, within us, upon us. That's why we are rejoicing. Yeah. So that's why scripture can say, rejoice forevermore. So the Christians in the early church, when they were thrown into, uh, 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 what do they call that? Huh? What? Yeah, dungeons, but there's this, the Romans created, what do they call this field, the stadiums? Yes, the Coliseum. When they threw Christians into the Coliseum, and lions were released into the Colosseum to devour them. Do you know what the Christians were doing? They were singing songs. That was what got the Romans to say, oh, hold up, wait a minute. They expected them to be crying. They expected them to denounce Jesus. Oh, they were singing songs, praising God. They were like, praising God, they were like, wow, we are counted worthy to die for his name. So when many of the Romans saw that, 
Many of them gave their life to Christ. And some who were in the collusion, sharing the death of Christians, they were now later on part of the people they were killing. Because they said, look, we've seen many people die in this collusion, but we've never seen anyone who died like that. That there's something about this Jesus. There is something these people have seen, and we want it to. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Let me tell you something. As believers, we need to get to a place of maturity that when successful unbelievers study our approach to, um, to things and see how we relate to those things, they, can, they should be able to say, I want what you have. There is something you have I don't. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So for example, let's say that you, you are privileged to be around a dangote. Right? Or some rich person. And this person is always about money. I, I don't know Dangote, so I don't know what it's like. All right? But this person is always about money. You know, he has this and stuff. Let that person be around you. When he interacts with you and wants to, you know, fills your heart, let him be able to say, ah, you're not like other Christians I know. You're not money-minded. You're not driven by this. You're not driven by that. You're different. Let your spirituality get to that level. Are you following what I'm saying? Let it be that when a wealthy man comes across you, let him know, let it be that he, he sees you and says, no, other Christians, their prayers and the way they behave, I can be their God. Do you know that some, which, based on how some Christians pray, some men can be their God. Some men that can be their God. I heard one allergy telling what he said to one brother that I was close to. He said, you Christians, you will make nothing. I said, I have some girls, Christians. They are churchgoers. But I sleep with them. He said, I am their God. I am the God that supplies our prayer of brand new under called 2019 model. That was 2019 then. I'm, the, I'm a God. I'm the visa that she uses to travel. I'm a God. We have to ask Christian, we have to come to that point where our identity is not around things. Does God supply things? Where yes, but your identity must not be around it. Such that if those things leave, your life crumbles. Then you'll not be having crisis of faith. And begin to say, I don't believe in God again. And I'm not following Jesus again. Because you lost stuff. It means your identity was tied to it. Build your identity on the word. And what Jesus has made you. That's your identity. Build on that. On that. Train yourself. This is who I am. This is what I am. So when we're talking about what do you have? Talk about I have righteousness. I have the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Do you know why? You will never stop having those. So they are the true properties you have. They are your true inheritance. I have the Holy Ghost. I have righteousness. Hallelujah. So when you are thanking God, thank God for the eternal things you have, not the mundane. The mundane will pass away when you stand with Jesus. See, when I stand before Jesus, what he gave me is what I will always have. Hallelujah. When I stand before Jesus, I'm going to still be the temple of the living God. When I stand before Jesus, I'm standing justified. I'm standing righteous. I'm standing full of wisdom. Hallelujah. I'm standing full of the word. Glory to God. I'm standing born of the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, endured by the Holy Ghost as I'm going to be standing before him. I will never lose that. And in heaven, I will be rejoicing. When I'm praising Jesus, I'm praising the Lamb of God who shed his blood for my sins to make me who I am. Are you seeing that? Come on, are you seeing that? That's what I'm going to be, all right, be praising him forever and ever. Who I am. Not cars, not houses, not marriage, not children. Who I am. Who he has made me. Those other stuff are good, yeah. But that's not the, the thing. That's not the it. That's not the, the meat of the mouth. To build your identity. Because when the devil comes, he's going to attack you from an identity level. So the devil wages identity warfare. That's what he wages. Identity warfare. For example, look at Apostle Paul. Paul comes preaching the grace message. Okay? If he comes preaching the grace message and stuff. But how many of you know that Paul could have been tempted to enter into karma? Consequences teaching because he persecuted the church. And who, what happened to him? He was what? Persecuted. 
he faced the greatest opposition to ministry among all the apostles. Why? The devil was after that identity. Because if Paul had changed his message because of the infirmity of his flesh, we would all have a perverted message today. Are you following? So many a times the battles you are facing is beyond you. So for example, as pastor of this church, preaching the message I'm preaching, you understand? The way we're doing it. All right, not trying to do this or compete or this, not trying to, you know, all this other stuff folks do, trying to watch our associations, being careful we move it because we don't want to try to, we don't want to corrupt the message. When, when we do that, all right, there's going to fight that. Why? Because we represent something. You understand? It's a model. And the more successful the model is, it means that many younger ministers who follow it, so he has to fight it. He will fight it. He will fight it. The devil is not against ministries cropping up everywhere. No, the devil is not against it. The devil is for ministries cropping up everywhere as long as he can be behind the pulpit. As long as the preacher can preach 98% truth, but mix 2% falsehood. Listen, if I put water in front of you and i just put one drop of poison is that um if i put 100 mils of water in front of you and i put 0.5 mils of poison in that water do you say oh wow uh, yeah you know, that's no big deal it's just 99.5 water just 0.5 poison i can live with that how if you can do that you know there's just some things that need to be 100 percent you know unadulterated you know there's some just some things that need to be that because come on it's water it's not like beans that you have some stones inside, then you cook it, then you eat it, oh, you remove the stone. No, this is poison. Praise God. So the fight you are in, understand what it's about. It's about identity. Number one, you're a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. Louder, I'm a new creation. I am a new creation. All things are passed away. Say, all things are passed away. So, so oh, Pastor, um, you, you slept with somebody when you were not there. Blah, 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 blah. All things are passed away. Hallelujah. All things have become new. I am no, there is no condemnation to me. I'm in Christ. Number two, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means in the eyes of God, you are right. 2 Corinthians 5.21 he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we took his place. He took our place. Romans 5 and 17. All right. It tells us that we have been given the gift of righteousness. Gift of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness is a gift. It's a gift. One thing the devil always will try to do, listen, when he's attacking your identity, is that he will try to make you work for righteousness. How many of you know what I'm talking about? What, what I mean? For example, when you sin, I mean, the, oh boy, <laughs> let me give you a scenario. How many of you, when you sin, maybe you watch some stuff you shouldn't have watched, or maybe you slept with someone you shouldn't have slept with, or whatever it is, you know, whatever sin it was, maybe you lied, whatever, you sinned, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of practical here. You know, so sin, you know, maybe you watch porn, or maybe you um, went to watch porn and you masturbated, and you have, that's what you're struggling with, or uh, Kiru came to the house, then before you know what's happening, there was some. Euphonic, whatever it is, the issue. Now say, notice what always happens next. What always happens next is people now begin to want to prove their righteousness. So you now begin to pray hard. They want to give the word. Read the word. You want to feel clean. You understand? You want to feel clean. You know you are still clean, even though you sin, but. Yes, but you want to feel it. Calm down. Amen. All that one you are doing is not going to help you grow. Glory to God. It's like this. Somebody has not eaten for seven days. It's not the food that he will eat after that would make him healthy. It is what he does consistently over time that will make him healthy, correct? 
So what normally happens is, when you sin like that, the condemnation and guilt that hits you now tries to tempt you into trying to prove your righteousness. Prove it. So some ministers, after they've just sinned, that's when they want to move power of God. <laughs> hey, 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 Sorry, you know, the man God would have just finished with the lady, then have Holy Ghost meeting in the evening. Move power. What's going on? He has, he has sinned. So there's a battle going on in his mind. How can you? He, so he wants to prove that God is still with him. Are you following what I'm saying? It's like Samson. You understand? I want to prove it. Ah, still with me, yes. To prove the righteousness, to prove the call, even though I have the faults. Temptation of the devil. That's what the devil did, was trying to do with Jesus, to try to get him to prove. Proof. The moment you get to a point where you are trying to prove something, the devil has gotten you. The moment you get there, when you are trying to prove something, prove, Satan has gotten you. You want to now prove it. So as you are a cobo boy, all right? The reason you are a cobo boy is because you want to prove it to people. Can prove it. Prove it that I want to prove it I can make it. And you know the characteristic of such people that did stuff to prove stuff is that when they get that stuff, they are not at peace. They must now let those people that didn't believe in them know that they succeeded. You, have you noticed it? Now, when God brings something to you and you are not prepared, you find that you are at peace only you knowing that God has answered my, I'm, you know, I'm good and stuff like that. You're just at peace, you know. You don't need to do anything. You don't do anything. But when it is not that, but you are trying to prove it, you will find out that you will now want to do it in front of your haters. Which usually don't really exist in the number we think they, they exist in. Hallelujah. They don't really exist in, you know. But some people need haters as energy to go on because the devil has gotten them. Glory to God. The devil has gotten them. Praise the Lord. I said, Praise the Lord. Are you learning anything today? Are you learning anything today? Stop trying to prove your identity to the devil. And do not allow your identity. To be wrapped up in natural mundane things. Praise God. All right, that's my time. Amen. Can we just lift up our hands and just bless His name? Amen. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Man takara man delebra ke sopra dista. Riman delebari sopra tisakabahaya. Oh, just bless His name. Let's just spend like few minutes just worshiping. Listen, when you're worshiping, your focus is on Jesus. Jesus. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikia Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikiacc.org. Remain blessed.